In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And good morning. I'm a big fan of Charles uh, Schultz, the uh, creator of the Peanuts world, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Lucy. And I came across this week one of my, uh, my new favorite Charlie Brown quotes. Let me share it with you. Charlie Brown once observed that nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love. <laughs> nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love. Uh, you know, I learned this lesson in third grade, two seats behind uh, a young woman named Brandy in Miss Quarter's uh, class at Harrison Elementary. She was the woman of my dreams, Brandy, and it was only the first couple weeks of school. She already had me wrapped around her finger. Um, it was not a healthy relationship. <laughs> it was a rocky affair, really, from the beginning. In fact, uh, to keep in good standing with Brandy's love, suitors like me, uh, were required to pay daily dues of sorts. And these, these really included anything sweet you had in your lunchbox, right? If I gave her my fruit roll-ups, Brandy still loved me. If I, uh, one time Brandy had gave me, I guess it was a relationship homework assignment, and she had me write, uh, I love Brandy a hundred times on a piece of notebook, which I did willingly. You can only imagine where Brandy got this idea, right? Nothing uh, takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like the rejection of unrequited love. In today's parable, Jesus tells us his story of rejection. Not to be provocative, and I suppose I use this term loosely, but this is the story of God's unrequited love. Um, in Matthew chapter 21, we are in the midst of Holy Week. Now, we're listening to this story in the fall, but in Matthew chapter 21, as the story of Jesus' life is being told, it's about Tuesday in the week of his death. So Sunday morning, Sunday, our Palm Sunday as we think of it, Jesus rides into Jerusalem victorious on a donkey, and now it's Tuesday. In a matter of days, Jesus will experience the ultimate rejection by his own people. And he's standing in the temple courts with the religious leaders of his day, and they're challenging his authority. That is to say, the religious leaders want to have a theological debate with Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? As he does so many times in the Gospels, Jesus starts to tell stories. And he tells three stories in a row about God's rejection, about God's unrequited love. Our parable today is the second of those three stories. And let me give you, in a sentence, the theme of our parable. To reject Jesus Christ is not to reject an idea or a theology or a philosophy. To reject Jesus Christ is to reject 
the love of God. It's to reject God's purposeful love in your life. It's to reject his patient love in your life. It's to reject his personal love. Let me give it to you again, the theme of our parable. To reject Jesus Christ is to reject the purposeful, patient, and personal love of God. You're not rejecting an idea or philosophy. So take your scripture insert, if you will, follow along with me through this parable as we look at it briefly. Matthew chapter 21, first, we see in this parable that to reject Jesus Christ is to reject the purposeful love of God. Uh, the architects of our uh, revised common lectionary, which is the, the, uh, the instrument that we use to gather our scripture readings for each week, it matches up an Old Testament with a psalm and a gospel. They're really flexing their muscles today because the psalm and the Old Testament and the gospel all fit together around this theme of God as a vineyard owner and his people as a vineyard. Did you catch that theme being threaded through the readings? Not just God as vineyard owner and us as vineyard, but all the readings speak to this purpose of God in deliberately choosing a people and setting them up for salvation. So Jesus says it like this in the beginning of the gospel passage. Jesus says, God the vineyard owner, verse 33, he put a fence around the vineyard. And then he dug a wine press in it, and then he built a watchtower. That is to say, from the beginning, God set this vineyard up to succeed, to bear fruit. The psalm puts it this way, verses 8 and 9. You have brought a vine out of Egypt, God. You, God, cast out the nations and you planted this vine. You prepared the ground for it and the vine took root and filled the land. In Isaiah, which Jesus is basically paraphrasing in his parable, he's paraphrasing Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Isaiah says it this way. Let me sing for my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. My beloved has, uh, had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and he cleared it of stones. He planted it with choice vines. That's Israel. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it. One of the cornerstones of understanding the whole Old Testament is that God purposed to love Israel. He chose them deliberately and he chooses us deliberately. He purposefully took them out of Egypt he purposefully attended them as they wandered in the desert. He purposefully even allowed them to suffer at the hands of other nations, the Israelites. He allowed them to suffer that they might come back to him. So let me ask you this question. When you think about the story of your life, do you know this aspect of the love of God? Do you know God's purposeful love for you? Um, perhaps God placed you in a Christian family. You were baptized as an infant, maybe. That's purposeful love. That's not on accident. God set you up for salvation. Perhaps you didn't grow up in a Christian family, but God, over the course of your life, has moved heaven and earth to bring you in relationship to him. That is God's purposeful ordering of your life to be in relationship with him. Perhaps only a few hours ago, as I think about being in a downtown cathedral, you were wandering the streets of Orlando this morning without a home, 
without a family, and you walk into this cathedral right now, maybe for the first time, that is purposeful love for you. Welcome. God is ordering the events of your life for salvation. So how has God guided you? In the words of Jesus, how has he put a fence around your vineyard? How has he dug a wine press in your life? How has he built a watchtower? To reject Jesus is to reject God's purposeful love, not some idea or theology. Here's the second lesson from our parable. To reject Jesus is also to reject God's patient love, his patient love. Jesus continues the story in verse 34. He says, when the harvest time had come, God, the vineyard owner, sent his slaves to the tenants to collect the produce. And how did they respond? But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, the vineyard owner sent other slaves. He's investing more now. And they treated them the same way. Now, you might have already guessed in hearing this passage read, probably like Jesus' audience there in the temple court had, that these servants, these slaves that the vineyard owner sends to check up on his vineyard are representative of the prophets of the Old Testament. God sent the prophets to Israel to uh, share with them his patient love, to bring them back into relationship with him. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Jonah, Micah, those really difficult parts of the Old Testament to read, all of those guys were sent by God to show to Israel God's patient love. Now, here's the thing. Uh, God sends his word again to us today in the Psalm and the Old Testament and the gospel reading, and it does the same thing the prophets do. It shares with us God's vineyard, his patient love. That is to say, if you can hear my voice right now, it is not too late to come back to the loving arms of God. To reject Jesus is not just to reject an idea or a philosophy. It's to say no to God's purposes in your life, to say no to God's patience with your brokenness. And here's the final thing. To reject Jesus is really to reject the personal love of God. Perhaps this is the best news. Did you notice in the story how God, the vineyard owner, responded to the tenant's violence? He does the unthinkable. Verse 37. Finally, the vineyard owner sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants, when they saw the son, said, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. They were going to take the vineyard from the vineyard owner. So the tenants seized the son. They threw the son out of the vineyard, and they killed the son. In a move that, I don't know how else to say it, defies human logic, in some last-ditch attempt to care for his vineyard, his people, God, the vineyard owner, goes all in. He sends his own child, and he loses that child. In the face of the tenant's rejection, God doesn't withhold his love. He doesn't yank it back from them. No, God leans in even more. He invests even more. He'd already sent 
two sets of servants. The first time, just a few. The second time, even more. And now God goes all in to care for his vineyard. Let me say it this way. In response to human violence, in response to human violence, the Christian God gets vulnerable. Gets vulnerable. Do you want to know God's response to the violence of Las Vegas from this past week? I don't, who can know the mind of God? But I think it's the same as the vineyard owner's response to the tenant's violence in this parable. What's God's response? To send his son. God's response to human violence is not to continue the endless evil cycle of violence, retaliation, attack, retaliation, attack, retaliation. Instead, he stops the violence by taking it upon himself on the cross. In an act of vulnerable love, the world has never, never seen before. So in the suffering and death of the Son of God 2,000 years ago, God entered into the violence of Las Vegas and he buried it in Hades with his physical body. And then he conquered it the next morning, Easter, when he rose again from the dead. That's God's response to Las Vegas. What's tragic then about rejecting Jesus is not just to reject his purposeful ordering of your life to bring you to him. It's not just to reject his patience with you, but it's to reject his person. In fact, the only antidote to human violence that we have, Jesus Christ. Growing up in a Baptist church, we had at the end of the service uh, a very important part of the liturgy called the altar call. You'll not find it in the prayer book. But it was an important moment where we responded to Jesus, where we were asked, hey, do you want to receive or to reject Jesus? Jesus said to the religious leaders at the very end of the parable, I tell you, in light of your rejection of me, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. And now he's not talking in parable form anymore. And it will be given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. We are that people. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you've placed your trust in Jesus, you're that people. So we have a chance now to do what the religious leaders in Matthew 21 didn't do. They rejected Jesus. We're a vineyard that has a chance to say, Jesus, we receive you. And we receive your purpose in our life. We receive your patience with us. We have a chance to do so not by coming down to an altar and, and maybe with a prayer or with certain words or, or just emotions, although I hope all of those things are present when you come to the altar. But we have a chance to do even more than that, to receive Jesus, his body and blood, soul and divinity. So this morning, don't reject Jesus. Receive him. Receive him into yourself. 
Know that God has purposed to save you. Know that God has had patience with you. And know that God has sent Jesus to rescue you. When you receive the bread and wine, may this be in your hearts with open hands. Amen.